Welcome recruits to AC12. Today you will be briefed via an exciting episode of the Pilot TV podcast, a spoiler special podcast, no less, for Line of Duty Season 5. This is DI James Dyer of AC12, accompanied by DS Boyd Hilton and DCI Terry L. White. Over the course of this interview, we shall examine the evidence laid out in the dossier in front of you, marked Exhibit A, the fifth and most recent series of Jed Mercurio's Line of Duty. Through this dossier, we shall prove, without a shadow of a doubt, that the bent coppers revealed within did willfully engage in misconduct while in a public office. But before we get into that, we'd like to present Exhibit B. A tape recording conducted prior to the airing of said series of Line of Duty, which should shed some light upon the matter at hand. Sergeant, please play the interview. For the DIR, this is an interview with Chief Superintendent Jed Mercurio, conducted by DS Hilton, with DI Dyer in attendance. The last series of Line of Duty Mm. ended um, with that huge array of characters all up on the whiteboards yeah as if you'd been planning this whole thing from the season one series mm. one was that the case or have you kind of cunningly evolved it as time's gone on it's kind of evolved as it's gone on uh, there the, the, the was some initial planning but i think it's very hard to to map everything out in advance in a way that will continue to be surprising and so um it's really a, uh, a a process that has a couple of different components. There's the the forward planning where I know if we're lucky enough to do more series, that's something that we can return to. And then there's the retrospective um, version, the, the the reverse engineering of of picking up things from the past that are relevant to a story happening in the present. So do you have in your mind a, a fairly um, extraordinary capacity to remember all of the strands of your own <laughs> stories? Or yeah. do you go back, do you have to go back and check, literally do you go back and check? Occasionally I need to go back and check details, you know, names and very precise information. But to be honest, there isn't that much of it. So I, I would expect that I can remember the, the basics. Mm-hmm. Yeah. But you have established a series of high-level police, police p- people who have... So now you know with H at least. So that's, that's yeah. clearly been part of your overall plan. Yes, that's right. Um, now, the first, I, obviously, I'm not going to try and trick you into any kind of spoiler at all. That would be uh, madness. But certainly in the first episodes of, of, of many series of Line mm. of Duty, you have killed off the main new guest protagonist, who mm. we're expecting at least, the audience is expecting to be the protagonist for the whole series. Yeah. So do you then think. Are you going to bluff or double bluff the audience? Are you aware of the audience expectation, if you like, that fans of the show are going to be thinking, ah, oh, so now is your new guest star protagonist? Well, I think that, that one of the, the advantages we have is that sense of jeopardy. So you would always want to create jeopardy around your main characters anyway if you're doing a thriller. Um, I think the fact that we've got a track record of occasionally taking that jeopardy a bit too far... Um, is something that's that's incredibly helpful to us. You know, it does mean that that um, rather than watching, thinking, oh well, of course they would never do this, they would never do that. It's it it's false jeopardy. I think the relationship we now have with the audience and and the audience has with the series is such that they can never write it off as being false jeopardy. 
Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. And do you? Uh, and are you thinking? There's also the, the issue of the the kind of norms of TV drama, aren't there as well? That, mm. that I think you've already, as you say, you've already kind of destroyed those to a certain extent. Certainly, this kind of drama mm. was that something that you you learned how to do right from the start. You knew that was a way of kind of challenging expectations. Was that something that's evolved as time's gone on? Um, again, it's probably a combination of the two. It's that. Um, you, you, I think it's very hard to open up with something in the very first series that that really does break the rules. I think it's very, it, it's dangerous, and I think that it would alarm the people who commission the series. Um, but when we find ourselves in this very fortunate position that we we we've got a, a a body of work behind us that we've got uh, certain levels of expectation around the series. That then gives you the, the creative freedom to, to, to sometimes go in surprising directions. And, and, and um, has your method and technique of writing the scripts for Nigeria, has that changed over the years in terms of, do you map it all out you know, for each series, how it's gonna go? First of all, before getting down to the nitty gritty, do you, is there a certain, is there a certain amount of no, it's, it's, no, it's it's uh, stayed consistent. It's it's been um, a method that we all feel works. Um, which, which, to summarise very briefly, is it's done episode by episode. So, an outline of an episode followed by a script, uh, some drafts of that script, and then move on to the next outline of um, of the, the following episode. So. Um, occasionally there are times when we we have to look a little bit ahead um, but often it's it's purely practical things like booking locations and booking actors knowing roughly how much actors are going to be involved what sets they're likely to be on how important certain locations are for us whether we're looking at at, at doing major stunts in those places and, and, and so forth. All the practicalities sometimes um, could create a situation where we need to do a little bit of, of, of forward thinking. In terms of the main kind of plot, shocks and surprises and mm. twists, are those something you, 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 you plan in advance? Are those no. something really? No, that's done episode by episode, wow. yeah. Wow. Okay. And is that, is that because, is that make it, keeps it kind of, Exciting and pleasurable for you, as well as that, as well as it's, making it practical. It's 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 two things. What one is that it allows the editorial process to mimic the viewer experience. So we're not looking at six episodes that are all planned out, and and knowing exactly where everything's going to go. So when we consider an outline of an episode or a draft of an episode, then. Um, we're looking at it in the present as the audience would be without that foreknowledge. Um, and that, that's very important. And then the other thing is just that this is a method that has uh, proved effective. So it makes sense to just keep going with it. And is this specific to Line of Duty or did you also do that with Bodyguard? Was that a similar process or did you? It was a similar process no. with Bodyguard, yeah. No. So even, even the famous killing off mm. um, that was something that, I mean, that you must have had in mind in advance no or did you as you were writing it, it was something that, that, that was had in mind purely because 
in terms of booking of cast and uh, knowing with a brand new series roughly what the arc would be, that was always discussed. What what was never a hundred percent defined up front was when exactly something like that would occur right. and how it would occur. Uh, okay. Um, also, having rewatched the uh, the last episode of of the last season of Duty, as well as that that scene at the end, you're definitely setting up Hastings even more than ever. It felt to me a kind of hinting that we have to wonder whether he is mm. <laughs> he is corrupt or not whether and is that um, so is that you, are, are you setting us up for the expectation that that is, will be a theme of this well research? it seems to be a question that the that the audience has mm. so I, I think if the audience comes to it with that question in mind then it, it will it will be a certain kind of viewing experience they will they will see things that that make them think that they may be onto something and then they will see things that make them think well of course he's not bent he's completely straight mm. so um it's one of it's one of the character themes in the the whole season but but by no means the only one and is the fact that what's already been announced that that um Stephen Graham and um the other new main actor who's named Rashenda, Rashenda, Rashenda yeah are involved in organized crime correct so is that that feels like a new that to actually focus on them within that world absolutely right. that is that is kind of the fresh ground that that we break on the series that we've had these these shadowy figures the balaclava men mm. who are part of an organized crime group um, have featured on and off all through the previous four seasons, but we've never really gone behind the mask and I and and identified them as proper characters, and found out about them. And so that was something that we felt was overdue. And so in 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 this season, rather than being the uh, the um, the customary approach, which is we pre- we present a police officer who is involved in a case and then for whatever reason there are allegations of corruption which AC12 investigate we are looking at this uh, this organized crime group who clearly it's it's been established in the past function uh, to a certain extent through relationships with corrupt police officers so rather than looking at the corrupt police officers this time we're looking at the other side of the coin, which is the the the, the OCG, and uh, the, the the research question do you, for that kind of thing. I mean, you you, you know you you have your experts on mm. that, but for for the world of organised crime, for example, mm. in this particular case, is that something you you're you're happy and confident to create that whole world in those crimes, in, or do you look into the reality? Uh, again, I, I I benefit hugely from the guidance of our police advisors who. Um, were just very helpful in terms of the the kinds of um, behaviour you would see in an OCG and also the the ways in which um, their criminal activities would be investigated. In terms of... I'm fascinated by the way that you seem to write that the dialogue in, in, in Line of Duty always seems to be at the service of um, the story and and... They're working. They're being professional. Yeah, it's all part of their job. Yeah, and yet character does emerge 
Yeah. Particularly if you know, Tom Hastings has become this beloved figure in, by viewers. Yeah. Is that something that you kind of almost do by osmosis, or is it something that you kind of work at? And is it character beats do emerge from the fact that, but that essentially they're all talking within a professional situation? Yeah, I, I, I think that, that my approach is, is to make dialogue feel naturalistic, and if people are in the workplace, um, that they would speak with professional jargon. Uh, but obviously, the things they do and the decisions they make reveal character. Um, I, I, I do suspect there are people out there who, um, who think that the, the, the writer's sole function is to write the dialogue and somehow the, the, the story and, and, and character traits emerge by magic. Mm. Um, but actually, obviously, we all, those of us who, who understand how this works, um, appreciate that that the story construction and the character design are the main features of writing, and actually dialogue is is probably the weakest element of storytelling. But because of I suppose you know the theatrical background and and the fact that um, you know awards juries who are you know generally pretty thick only think that writing is about kind of memorable and and flowery dialogue then um, you get this kind of misunderstanding about what a writer does and what someone like me does. Yeah, I mean, I've been on a wall that People love a, a, a kind of show-offy bit of, bit of dialogue. Well, it's because, that, yeah. yeah, it's because that's, they believe that's, that's what the writing is. And, yeah. and because, you know, there's no real qualification for being on a jury, it, it means that people can come to it with, with that level of... Um, of, of ignorance about writing and and be given the opportunity to to express their opinion, which is that it, it's all about flowery dialogue. And if something doesn't have flowery dialogue, then it's not well written. So, do you are you um, are you fairly disciplined with yourself in not in actually avoiding actively avoiding that kind of flowery dialogue? Yeah, and also it's kind of it's it's also a relationship with the cast. I think that you know the cast are all very down to earth and naturalistic in 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 their performances, and I think that that those characters they know very well don't speak in in in, in flowery sentences. They're they're very kind of gritty and, and naturalistic and concise and so that's the um uh, the approach we would all take and so uh, there's there's often feedback about about dialogue and making it uh, making it feel more like that and you, you you directed some episodes of the last years, didn't you? The first yeah, the first yeah. couple, yeah. But you're not doing that this time. No. Any particular reason for that? Um, it's 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 much easier for me and and, and much more uh, effective use of, of of me to to be the showrunner, so that I'm I'm not on the set shooting the coverage day in day out. I can be on the set when I need to be and when people want me to be. But I also have the freedom to be writing or in the edit or in casting or all the other things that I that I need to be contributing to as the showrunner. And how important is the editing? For me, this must be a show where like the editing is almost. I, I went. I saw a um, writer talk the other day and was saying that they sit in the edit and the editing is like pretty much like second to the to the writing in terms of 
the final yeah. creation that you see. Just and in terms of this show, it strikes mm. me that it's so ratcheted up and tense and intense. Mm. Is that key that that editing is almost like part of the whole? Oh, absolutely. Yeah, I mean the, the the editing can can also be another draft of the script because if we're we're looking at something in the edit. Quite often, we're a few minutes over, so we have to we have to remove material. Sometimes, in removing material, it necessitates changing the order of scenes, or uh, or shooting more material to bridge gaps, or what whatever it is that 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 needs to be done. And being part of that process means that there is a writer input into that. Do you feel having kind of single handedly saved the world of linear? Live television viewing with with, with bodyguards. Oh, dispute single-handed. <laughs> it's, a, it's a huge contribution. Um, no, I mean it's a team effort. Right. But I, yeah, sure. But that show, I mean, you know what, you know, bodyguard mm. that becoming this unbelievable yeah. popular phenomenon. But do do you feel that this like that and this and line of duty and your this kind of writing in general mm. has to be this kind of weekly serial that really that communal excitement of everyone mm. watching your twists. Yeah. and turns and shocks is an incredibly powerful thing isn't it that I think is different to the binge watch version of it that you edit when it all ends up on Netflix do you yeah. do you think about that when you're when you're putting them together well I, I think that the, the the thing that you have to worry about most is just telling the story so um what we don't get hung up on is is what people are going to be doing in the weeks the, you know the week between or how they're going to be watching it because yes the, the, there is a substantial chunk of the audience that watches weekly but what we also detect is that there are people who let a few episodes go out and then and then catch up um, as, as a as a chunk there are others who wait for a whole series to finish and then watch and then there there are those who are, catching up on previous series uh, for the first time through streaming services who are watching it in the fashion that they choose. So I, I, I think that there are two things. There, there's the, 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 the variety of ways in which people can watch and, and the writing has to support that. But there is the special case of the, 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 the UK first transmission mm which is is done in the traditional way but then there's nothing unique about that so many um drama series on on the terrestrial channels are broadcast in the same way we're not mm. doing anything that those other shows aren't doing in terms of the way that they're, they're broadcast but for example sometimes they do know like killing eve was available as a weekly thing and they put it out all in one go that first week if you wanted to watch it in one go would you resist that though or would you be happy with that I think it would be something that w would have to be discussed mm. um, I, 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 I think that um, you have to give people the opportunity to watch in the way that suits them um, and, and, and that's, a, that's a specific discussion which will continue to evolve mm. you know as, as, as viewing habits change it, it may there may come a time where um, scheduling decisions evolve to, to keep pace. Do you think uh, uh, that TV drama, in particular, and actually particularly this genre of like kind of precinct drama and crime and mm. police, all of that, going back to you know the classic The Hill Street Blueses and all of those, mm. is it is it changed or is actually is in fact that are, are, the, are the are the central elements kind of the same in a way? Oh, I think they're kind of the same. I think I, I think that 
Um, it, it's possibly just the way in which we perceive them that's changed. That, that if you go back and look at old TV, you, it, it's often quite striking how slow it is. Yeah. But we don't remember it that way. Right. We we remember it going at the pace of modern TV, um, and 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 that's something that is part of the the sort of TV nostalgia argument where anything that's remade, people will immediately say how much better the first mm. incarnation of it was um, n- but even if you go back and watch and find it excruciating so there's a there's a difference between between reality and perception and um, I, I think our perceptions are formed by the current TV landscape mm. do you uh, do you ever go back and watch those kinds of films? You, have you have you ever you know, occasionally occasionally I'll you know something will be on and I'll see it on the TV listings something that I remember watching from a long time ago mm. and I will put it on and I'll be shocked mm. you know I'll be shocked at how poor the production values were of a show that I remember being glossy and expensive looking mm. or uh, something that I remember being very exciting I will watch and find it very slow moving and, and not exciting at all uh, but occasionally I'll watch something and, and and see see merit in it that I missed the first time around What were the shows that not so influenced you but do you think kind of informed your love or like enjoyment of this kind of, of genre particularly that, that you've kind of ended up writing um, Well I had the experience recently I mean just a few months ago I watched an old Star Trek episode one of the one of the quite famous ones called Balance of Terror mm. and I was really struck by how good it was you know that it was it was an episode I remember watching as a kid and what I was really struck by was the way in which it, it was shot it was shot differently from mm. the regular Star Trek episodes which were tended to be loose multi-camera coverage it it, it was it was lit quite moodily and it was the shots were very clearly composed for for single camera coverage um and it was also a very kind of driven plot where characters didn't emote very much they just tried to get the job done um so i i did actually find that quite quite um uh, um an educational experience Mm and and i guess things like that that i remember from childhood have inf- have informed my approach mm-hmm. of keep keeping things focused, staying on 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 the plot, not getting too flowery, and 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 trying to build the tension. Mm, absolutely. Is there some kind of actor? Because when when Stephen Graham was announced, for example, I was like, oh yeah. I mean, I'm almost actually one book thought, oh hasn't he been in it already? You know, because he feels like <laughs> yeah, such that's a, a that's a great sign. Yeah, yeah such a line yeah. of duty, and you yeah. your kind of actor. Is there a sp- certain type of actor that? you go for and can you define yeah. what it is about not posh <laughs> it's 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 that the um the regular cast we have all come from working class backgrounds martin and vicky didn't go to drama school and they have a very kind of naturalistic style of acting and a very, and and are very credible as as blue collar working people mm. uh, as is, as is adrian and so we need actors who fit because because the regulars define the world and de- define the kinds of police officers that 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 are um populating the world that we've created 
an actor coming in has to fit with that acting style. Otherwise, they will appear not to be a police officer in, who inhabits the same world. Mm-hmm. And do you? And is there? Do you talk to? I mean, even though you're not, even if you're not actually directing an episode, there seems to be also like a very like the reaction shots, for example, from at the, at the mm. end of that episode. Yeah. Um, uh, from Hastings were so subtle. Oh, mm. extra, are those things you're you're working out and you're kind of discussing those? Oh yeah, that? I mean, they're, they're, most of them are scripted in some way. Oh, no, right. um, and then, but also the directors pick up the coverage, and then we we f- find those things in the edit. You know, it, it's it's then it, it's then the picture cutting choice of whether we end on a on on a on a particular character, how we when we come to the look which part of the performance we we come to their shot on and and all those things yeah. um as well as the fact that i'm i'm usually on set you know it, it's unusual for me not to be on set at all for a whole day no. so i normally drift in and out and and um as i'm watching a scene often it becomes apparent that that certain reactions certain um concluding moments of a scene have to be captured in the right way mm. to give the, the the correct forward momentum um are you aware when you're writing that you know for example the inter- interrogation interview scenes have mm. become absolutely beloved of, of fans of the show you know, almost mm. like they're they're a huge highlight yeah that, and we love that they can go on for 10 15 minutes and we, yeah. and we love it are you aware so do you do you then think oh i need to parcel this out quite carefully yeah 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 and 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 it, it's something that um, it is all about the rhythm of the storytelling. Sometimes it feels like we reach a point where we 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 have to do that because we haven't had the characters in the same space. You know, it, the the cat and mouse element of it of AC twelve and who 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 they're after. Um, often those things just run in parallel and there's no contact between them. So the in, the interview scene is is clearly a way of doing that. Mm. Obviously, with if you you've got um, an investigation into uh, members of an organised crime group, then you can't have interviews in the same style because those interviews are specific to anti-corruption interviews of police officers. Um. You've got, I mean, obviously right from the beginning, it's, it's been about um, police investigating investigation of corruption, but it does feel now mm. in the world we're living in that the investigation of corruption is one of the leading issues of our time. Yeah. Is that something you think about? And that it's, it's kind of, is it, or is it just a nice accident that that is a... Well, I, I would rather that the standards in public life were higher uh, rather than the, the, there being this resonance with... Um, um, lies and misleading statement and, and dismissal of, of of facts and hard evidence. All, all all those things are are I think very troubling for people and um, particularly in in the the criminal justice system. Truth is important and facts are important and evidence is important. And as a, do you do you watch the, do you watch the episodes back when you finish with them and they go out live, and if so, do you have the experiences that we have as viewers, those moments of hair on the back of our neck, kind of delight at the surprises you spring, or even the big dramatic moments, for example, you know the, the, when the tables are turned in mm. one of the interview scenes, for example, which mm. you've done a few times. Mm. Do you watch those moments and think, oh yeah, that's what worked about that, and then 
Do you know what I mean? Or, or, or are you fully aware that it's going to work when it's put no, together? No, not at all. It's, it's, it's a process. So that that is is something that we're looking for in the edit. You know, we're looking for the, the dramatic um, ambitions of, of the, the script to be realised. And so... Um, if if we're we're not quite achieving those, then we take steps to make sure that we do, um, and that's really the the process of viewing. Uh, it's work. It's it's trying to to find improvements. Um, my my experience of watching things after they're finished is is it it's it it varies. You know, I will sometimes watch if they're on air and watch them live and other times I won't because I've, I've seen them so many times. And I know you, 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 you're more, you're, you use social media now more than you did, you know, in fact, everyone does, I guess. It's more, yeah. Do you, is that, do you, do you look at it, you know, after an episode has gone out from a point of view of there's some kind of reaction to what you've done or are you more, or is it for you much more important just the fact that, you know, how many people are watching it and the reaction? Oh, I think, I think that you can largely discount social media in terms of the kinds of opinions that are put forward um i i you know if we're talking specifically about twitter um occasionally people say in intelligent worthwhile things on twitter but um what you have there is someone who is self-selecting to to put forward an opinion and often they're just enjoying the moment of putting forward their opinion or promoting themselves or, or or whatever it is so the the data that is much more valuable to me is is the traditional audience research data where people who give their view are, are randomized it's not people vol- volunteering to tell you what they think it's random viewers being asked to give an opinion on a television program they've watched that's much more um um, high value data it's much more robust data and, and, and therefore it's what I, I pay more attention to Is there a moment or, or, or a scene or an episode or something in, in from, from all of the episodes of that you're particularly proud of I know that might seem like you know is that or, or do you not even think of it in that way I, I, I don't I mean when um, you know I'm asked to provide a clip or suggest mm. a clip it's always really hard work mm. and often it it, it it's determined by um, what kind of occasion it is that I'm I'm going to be showing the clip, what people are interested in. Um, it, it's much more for me reflecting on the whole body of work rather than, than than identifying specific moments. And the fact that you've got the next series as well has been commissioned, hasn't it? Yes, that's yeah. right. It was commissioned um, quite a while ago, so we went into uh, season five knowing we had a season six. Um, and and that's a great position to be in. You know, we're very grateful and, and privileged to be in this position. And and does that do, do you write those two series back to back or no? Completely. No, I, al- I always do them one at a time. In in fact, I, I know there's there's a per- there's a perception that series three and four were, were written and shot back to back, but they weren't. Mm-hmm. I don't know. There's just some person making it up and slapping it on Wikipedia. But it's not true. Mm. And were you, in terms of 
the extraordinary, I mean, success of, of Bodyguard. I mean, it, it's literally the most watched drama ever, I think, isn't it now? Yeah. In terms of, <laughs> what do you credit, what do you put that down to? Do you, can that even be analysed? How does that, what, what's the difference between that reaching that level of popularity? Well, it, it, it can be analysed, but I, I think that you, you reach a point where your analytical tools can't tell you everything. So we, we know things about the pattern of viewing, but it's it's very hard to determine exactly what the 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 creative content did to provoke that because it's it's just very hard to define it's very hard to define story it's very hard to to define an audience's relation with something and so therefore you end up just having to look at the numbers mm. so if you've got enough numbers you can you can just draw conclusions about the fact that it held people's attention, it made them want to watch more. And so from that, you, you you have to extrapolate that they liked what they were watching, even though a lot of people will say, well, I watched every one of those and it was shit. Yeah. Um, you have to, to think, okay, well, that's probably not how normal people behave. Normally people keep watching something because they like it. Yeah. So the people who go on Twitter to say that I watched every single minute of your show you talentless bastard, <laughs> and it was all shit. You have to write that off as being mm. someone who's got a personality disorder. <laughs> Absolutely, and these are the plot holes that you haven't realised there are in your in your. Of story. course, yes, the the uh, the potential plot hole police are yeah. my are my favourite. Yeah. Um, it's just that thing of the the sort of there's the it, it's the knee jerk response. Um, it's, you get it from the critics as well, where they'll say, you know, oh, it's a romp, it's already full of plot holes. Um, but these smug cunts don't actually ever say what the plot holes are. Mm. What they're saying is, um, I don't believe anybody tried very hard with this. They didn't work hard to close mm. the plot holes. And in in my kind of one minute of assessing what I think, I'm gonna I'm gonna write off the intellectual process because I'm so clever. And um I really don't have very much respect for people like that and I would advise them to try saying that to my face. Yes. Do you and do you do you um you must derive great pleasure though from when the the times when um your the your plot development or just is so is so shocking and surprising mm. that we all fall for it. So, yeah. 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 But that's the balance. It's a balance between plausibility and surprise. Right. If something is is if something is highly plausible, then the chances are that the audience is anticipating mm. it. So, and obviously, if something is um, highly implausible, then it will be a surprise. Mm. But it may also fail to convince. It may be that the audience simply concludes well that would never happen that's insane this has stopped being logical and coherent and then you lose their attention so all you can then do is go back to the numbers obviously in terms of giving opinions people will say i didn't believe this i didn't believe that it was full of holes it was implausible it was silly that would never happen these people are idiots i'm so clever but actually the numbers tell us that millions and millions of people are responding as if they're finding these twists dramatically satisfying mm -hmm. 
and not implausible. And the more you, I'm sorry, the more you test those bounds of plausibility, that's the that's the beautiful line, isn't it? Where when it's hovering for the viewer, yeah. Between... Well, you also can't carry a hundred percent of the viewers right. all the time. Yeah, there are people who watch programs just to say it's shit. This would never happen. Yeah. Well, I don't care about them. Yeah. And no one else does, frankly. No one wants to talk to people like that. They can just fuck off and die. The, the, the reality is that people watch, the vast majority of people watch television to be entertained and to be led on a, a dramatic mm. journey. And the numbers are telling us that we succeed. That was Jed Mercurio, a man who is unarguably the UCO inside the OCG. Uh, With his evidence in mind, let's crack on with some analysis about Series 5. What did we think? I really liked it. So I've been watching Live Duty from the start. I think it's, you know, I think it is um, Jed Mercurio's masterpiece, you know, as fun as Bodyguard was. And the previous shows he's done were, and Bodyguard, of course, is literally the most watched TV drama of all time. Yeah. That's a pretty good thing to have in his in on his CV. But for me, what makes Line of Duty so incredibly satisfying and impressive is that it started out as a fairly modest, unheralded show on BBC Two. You know about you know a police procedure in some in many ways. You know about setting anti-corruption, um, and it was you know and and these characters kind of were kind of thrown into it pretty much from the beginning, and we got to know them not through any great attempt at creating backstory or, or character, but just through their professional work as anti-corruption police, and. Um, Five series later, we're at this point where there's this unbelievably dense, complex, multi-layered, textured history (laughs) of all of them, this mythology, if you like, that is so rich that... It kind of, I feel it's so. I'm, I'm completely riveted, and t- and to be honest, like part of well, we'll get to the big issues later. But one of the things that people are already slightly annoyed that it didn't resolve everything, and you know, mm. still the H question, or you know, there's still a mystery bent copper out there who's involved with organised crime. Still, 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 and in fact, H wasn't even a thing all along. People are furious about it. For me, it's like <laughs> I, I don't mind because the pleasure of having another series yeah. in which all of this stuff is still happening, and we still need to investigate it. That pleasure for me is is the ultimate joy. Of the whole show so I'm fine with it no I, I love I love this show and I, I what I find quite interesting is that it started off as a kind of like they pick their bent copper of the series and then yeah. they proceed through that but this this OCG thing has been bubbling away underneath right. and at first it was very easy to dismiss as oh this is just a plot point you know and it's kind of recurred. And then at this point, as we come to this one, it's very clear that this is now kind of the overarching narrative. Yeah. It's all about this. So much so that we see a character from an early season as a boy, now grown up and a fully yeah. fledged member of the OCG, <laughs> right. which was a lovely touch. Yeah. So, yeah, Ryan Pilkington. And yeah. he, an even lovelier touch. So, right at the beginning, you know, in, in that first series, the caddy, the figure of the caddy, his backstory was that he was involved in dodgy characters and in ga- with gangs and had a. Had yeah, a from bad, when he was young. Yeah. Because he, he young. literally caddied for them. He literally That's caddied the for them. From. So the, the re-arrival of Ryan Pilkington from this little kid, this horrible little tyke from Series <laughs> 1 riding around on his bike to now being this key character who's going who's become a policeman. Yeah, because it's all it's gone... It's a brilliant little departed, departed style. Infernal affairs. Yeah, Internal mm. Affairs style thing. Setting, again, or lots of this stuff is, is, is setting us up for the next series, which is great. But... All of that, that, that Jed goes back, and he, he's very honest about it. He does, re, re, what's the phrase? Retcon. retcon. He does retcon, and he goes, he, he goes back and he looks at stuff that he's created, and he uses it, and he, and he, and he, and he uses it in for, for, for future storylines, yeah. for future narratives. But bringing that character back, and they're doing what he did with him, is one example of how fucking brilliant he is at doing that particular thing. 
I do think um, that I don't think you can entirely let them off the hook with the way the season ended. I do think that, you know, it had all been geared towards H and who is H and it didn't get answered last season, but this season, you know, it's almost certainly going to get answered. It became apparent to me in the penultimate episode that... It, there's no way they can. If for the very thing of what mm, you're saying is yeah. there's going to be another season. But to kind of throw, and I did feel like it reminded me of Ray's parentage, right, in Star Wars, <laughs> where it's so casually tossed away yeah. that he, there is no hate and that, you know, actually the way it was discovered, the, the noticing something in a video <laughs> that just happened to be, I mean, it, there were moments where the, um, the credulity, I can never say that word, um, it wasn't so much like a little cracks in it as a gaping chasm you're all meant to jump over. So I love this. And obviously my overwhelming thing is happiness that there is going to be a season six and a season seven. Um, Six, seven hasn't been confirmed. Seven hasn't been confirmed. But I don't think it it was was handled, it was a little bit clumsy and it was kind of last episode oops no we've had the wrong end of the stick all along and there is no H there's just there is one more bent copper out there but there is no one H and actually it was this group of four and you're like oh for fuck's sake because I have (laughs) people were invested for that reason Um, and I'm not saying that that it means you don't enjoy the show or you didn't I loved this it was my like I would watch it so that we could talk about on the pod um, and I would always watch it again. I would tune in on the Sunday night. It was like my appointment mm. to view. I'd sit there with my tea on my on my lap. Fucking loved it. But I don't think it's entirely okay. I, and I understand why people are disappointed. I I, I must admit the H storyline was one that never quite sat right with me. Like th- this show is a very clever show, and it always felt like a very clunky device that they genuinely believed that this Bent Copper's code name would be his actual initial <laughs> just seemed yeah. a bit like right. really right. like if I'm going to be a bit shifty the first thing I'm going to do is say well my code is going to be B yeah. you know you're not going <laughs> to yeah. so, th- so I think I think that never sat well with me so I think it's almost fitting that it gets diffused in the most unbelievable way ever just case in point no one has ever while dying tapped out Morse oh code God. with their fingers ever ever anywhere people have pointed they could have held up four fingers if you wanted to well yeah easier ways to communicate but I agree with you I think it's very funny it amuses me <laughs> yeah. so big, Jeb McHugh's big thing is is, is you ba- the balancing of credulity of making it feel um, that we buy into these incredible plot twists and turns and surprises and pleasure the pleasure that they bring and you know the enjoyment and entertainment they bring for me I, I have to say I know it is borderline he, he knows what he's doing he knows that I'm not going there look at this look at this video look what I've spotted yeah. is absolutely on the edge of credulity yeah. make it yeah, believable yeah, yeah. but it's fine because it's enter- it's fun it's yes, funny yes. and it abs- and people are like oh my god you're telling me the it's last two series funny. it it's is it's part be- it's meant to be entertaining yeah yeah, yeah. and it is entertaining and but what is. I'm saying is there is a we have invested our time and attention yeah. right and there has to be a certain reward for that I felt right. rewarded and I felt I'm rewarded, not saying yeah. that I loved that season yeah. what I'm saying is when you t- there is the whole thing who is H who is H who is H the SEO on who is H they're like <laughs> everything yeah. and then obviously it doesn't mean that I'm not going to watch the next season I loved it I know, I, know, I, know. I think you have oh, yeah. to respect the the viewers who have been you've been driving them towards this one point um it's quite insidery speak oh, oh actually that's quite funny because if, if you are giving up if you are a 
busy person <laughs> who probably maybe has a job they don't like and they like love sitting around the telly and investing all this time in line of duty. Are they sat there laughing, going, "This is funny that they just tossed it Oh no, it away? but it's not not funny. No, I think they are going. I'm entertained though. I think they absolutely are. I well, think it's a total. I think it's totally valid from the point of view. I think you know the whole point of this show is entertainment. You know, it's not. It, it, and I think it's can absolutely achieve that. And I think that that final twist, having a final twist upon you know the revelations, that's what he does. He did it in a Bodyguard. Remember the the revelation that the Muslim woman was evil after all. Right? Yeah. People had issues with that. I, that's I, a proper twist. That's a proper twist, right? But this was a kind of and that, this was a pretty proper twist, considering it completely re you know it completely makes you re- reflect on the past two series and makes you point out that them searching for this mystical mythic, mythical H figure was completely ridiculous because it was never H in the first place. <laughs> and by the way, adding to the entertainment value is why are we now all believing what Arnott says about it now? Why are we yeah. all buying into it? It's just his next theory. Yeah. It's just his theory. No, it doesn't mean it's true. But you're conflating. You're saying you can't have a problem with that. Oh no, I'm not saying you, I'm not. No, 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 no. I think you can absolutely have a problem with it. And what I'm saying is, is that the myth, the fact that it's a talking point, the fact that it is borderline ludicrous. Yeah. It's all part of the entertainment. And, I, I, and I, I think you either find it entertaining and enjoyable or you go, oh no, that's bullshit. But I don't think any of the people, I think if like, you know, if 13 million people have ended up watching it, however many, I, you know, a lot of them will think, oh my God, this bullshit. I think they're going to carry on watching it. Oh, they're still that, because but, so it's it's valid because they're still hugely entertained by the show and it's not going to turn them off to the point no, where they're going, no, I'm never watching this you again. you can be disappointed. You're, you're, you're <laughs> making a big leap between I'm disappointed that they tossed away the big thing that was driving the whole thing with oh well it entertains you and you're going to watch it again anyway of course we are of course, we're, of course we're entertained <laughs> but I think as viewers we are allowed to feel you're totally oh, allowed that was quite tossed away does it, does it undermine the amazing work that has been done do I regret turning every week will I <laughs> turn on next year whatever of course I will but it, I am allowed to feel a little bit cheated but by that by that course, last yep, I'm not saying you're not allowed to feel it at all I'm just saying for me personally it, it still worked and I think for I think for I think for a lot of years it will still work and, and let's let's be honest it's not like they totally threw this way like we uncovered the head of serious crimes was, yep. was a bent copper and Jill Jill yeah Jill See, Jill was <laughs> a wrong end from, I mean <laughs> she was again the worst like how were you ever meant to believe she wasn't dodgy but because there's always the possibility it's a double bluff. Yeah, that's and she's, all the she's way, always all the been a twat. Like, yeah, that, she's her always being been a twat. twat. It's not yeah. a new thing. Yeah, uh, but now she's a corrupt twat as well. And again, for me, like the, the Jill, Jill being the one who who um, set him up and um, from the, all the way through, and her devious, cunning plan. <laughs> again, for me, absolutely, you totally on the. It was the most likely explanation if, if someone was setting him up and if someone was framing him she was the most likely one wasn't she among all the candidates yeah. but that didn't detract from the fact it was spectacularly enjoyable yeah. and it was really well executed and really well yeah. executed and it's worth it for that moment it's worth it I think for her to be the one that we kind of suspected all along yeah. particularly with Polly Walker's brilliant performance as yeah. her like this kind of lip smacking relishing <laughs> of everything she does and so it made the moment where you know they uh, they come in and make the reveal it. and so that moment where they say you know you do not have to say anything that will use it where they basically arrest it is so impl- yeah. so brilliant and they pull their guns and they pull the, their guns uh, on the yeah. all of that was so brilliant and um and, and satisfying that it was all worth it again for me absolutely worth it every step of the way 
Can we talk about Kate for a bit? Yes. Because Vicky McClure is one of my favourite yeah. actors. I just think she's remarkable. And I loved the with obviously the incredibly iconic line, which has been <laughs> gifted and memed and everything, which is, um, uh, listen, Michelle, we're AC12. We do this to other units, units week in, week out. So don't try telling me how it works. We're witnesses, not suspects. Now stop making a tit of yourself and piss off. Delivered in her <laughs> brilliantly kind yeah. of laconic, low-key way. Yeah. And I love that because I felt like um, Kate, the character had just kind of been quite under the radar. Mm. And you've got these little glimpses of obviously this, these continuing troubles at home because she works too much and she's taken this job in the hope that she'll be at home more. Um, and she hasn't had, you know, I suppose it's fair to say she hasn't had a huge amount to do necessarily. And what I loved about the finale was it felt like she kind of got her fire back a little, just delivering that one line, which yeah. wasn't done with even particularly any volume, no kind of, kind of, there was no big moment for her, arguably, but she was the person who said that and she was the person who, as you say, read her her rights and it was at that moment you knew what was happening. And, and essentially she was the one who put it all together anyway. And I felt like she deserved, Kate had deserved mm, that 100%. last She's great. I love, I love the uh, dynamic that she has with Steve. Yeah. The fact that obviously they came up together she's been promoted above him so he has to call her mom occasionally and then yeah. when they're in the car together and they're being friends oh mate mate mate, 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 oh, mate. Yeah. oh I'm fine mate are you mate yeah I'm alright mate sure, the other great so mom- many mates so, so many mates, mates. The other great- that was the absolutely <laughs> incredible brilliant moment for her and I know she said on Twitter the greatest her favourite line so far of a whole series but also there was also I loved another wonderful moment where after they'd all sorted it all out and it had all been resolved apparently and she wanted to just have a nice cuppa that was like for me equally a satisfying moment <laughs> yeah. Like, yeah you really deserve a nice fucking cuppa because you have sorted this whole thing out, but you've left this, you left Jill yeah. Bigelow with us some fucking cop who's obviously going to be dodging is about to <laughs> kill her. See, that so. seemed a bit like if, if Bigelow was being taken into custody, yeah. it seems a little bit like they just all wander off and leave him Absolutely. there. Absolutely. Like, and have a foot go for a cuppa. They need arrested. to have a cup of tea. Come on. I know, I know. They want to know. But I how know. brilliant. I, everything you say about Vicky McClure, totally brilliant. But also, the casting of this show, I think, is so phenomenal. Even, mm. So, Brandeis, you know, who this brilliant with the weird haircut yeah. and her relationship <laughs> with um, with uh, Carmichael, Carmichael. Anna Maxwell Martin, apps, and the other dodgy dodgy cop who ended up being wanting to kill Bigelow, trying to kill Bigelow. Yeah. Those, that trio, you know, three new characters mm. brought in in the penultimate episode, and by the end of the thing, so they're good. so brilliant. They yeah. are three dimensional, brilliant. The moment where um, where uh, Polly when well, not Polly where Anna Maxwell Martin told Brandeis that she had to have her transfer request in. in the morning yeah. was again like a great moment of, and this is full of great moments so again even though people will because will, we we'll use the word nitpick people will have issues and they're totally valid to have issues I totally respect that but how much pleasure was there in those the casting the characters the absolutely yeah. brilliant Madame Maxwell Martin I love the fact that 75 or 80% of this episode was interrogation scenes Anna Maxwell Martin versus Polly mm. Walker versus Hastings with the all the others joining in at the end so that stuff I love that stuff and I don't and I, that's for me is better than any other thing that could possibly any other way of doing a finale mm. of this show but it's, and it's and it's unusual like they always end up in the interrogation room at the end of a season but we've never had an entire right. episode right. in right. one yeah. interrogation which is exactly. more or less what this was that is was. bold so, you it, know to, it was like and 
but to your point, because I I thought it worked in the main, but I did miss some action, and there were moments where the pacing didn't quite sustain. It's itself. a long episode as it's well. It's a long yeah. episode, and your it kind of resolves quicker than I thought it would in terms of you know it's it's her, and then the only thing outstanding is the H thing, which obviously is kind of a second wave of reveal. Yeah. But I have to say, Anna, without Anna Maxwell Martin, I don't know another actor who could have oh. sustained yeah. that intensity. Yeah. She's incredible. She's, mm. she's the she drives the energy of that entire final yeah. episode. Yeah. And her, I mean, I have to say, her performance, because it's not bombastic, it's not in any way showy or shouty. Her de- the speech, her delivery yeah. is unlike anything incredible. I've seen on yeah. TV. The rhythm of the way yeah. she speaks, the volume, the pitch, it's just like... It fascinates yeah. me, her whole, the way she played that character. It, it, it's passive aggression, isn't it? It's like, it was passive aggression writ large and in the most detailed, finely honed, yeah. every single, as you're right, every word that she said was brilliantly calibrated to make the most passive aggressive way of dealing with, with, with Hastings and the whole saga and mm. the whole, it, you're right, just fucking incredible. It's also an interesting dynamic because she's an antagonist, but not a villain. Yeah. Yeah. She's on, right. she believes she's doing... Mm. the right thing by yeah. going after Hastings and that's unusual because normally the other person across the other side of the table is a wrong'un yeah. and there yeah, are no wrong'uns in that room well there is but chill we don't know at that point yeah yeah absolutely and she had a kind of almost yeah it was like un- almost underplaying it and yeah, yeah. A- absolutely yeah. perfect 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 and that, I love the bit right at the end where she sat watching the um, the other interrogation with her boss and the boss says glass houses you had a Ben Copper in your team that was you know to see because we all absolutely kind of hate her because <laughs> she's because she's been the one that's been challenging yeah. Hastings who we love and that moment again he gives you these spectacularly satisfying moments I think Absolutely. the only thing I will say this is that I didn't believe for even a fraction of a second that Hastings was aged like, like no. never even entertained the possibility of it all I'd say to that is I agree with you but I think it wasn't the point for me so I think people have slightly not misunderstood. I think the whole driving force of this series from Gemma Mercurio is not so much making you want, making you think actually Hastings could be H and could be a real terrible villain, right? I think what it is is he's been leading us all the way through, giving us these clues. Definitely the porn laptop. That, that, we have to do with all the clues, we right? To, yeah. So there's clue after clue after clue. What that for me? What that was trying to do was. Making your investment in Hastings, our love of him, deepen the investment, deepen the connection to him. So we, we, for me, I've spent the whole series thinking, how is he going to get out of it? That, so the, the stakes were being raised more and more and more. The more he felt like he was being drawn into the fact that he was clearly being framed. Yeah. So it didn't matter to me that, that we knew he wasn't going to be that evil H because he could have been a bit dodgy and in fact even the 50 grand issue yeah, well, yeah, he, does he show, makes 50 he, grand so yeah. they could have been they could have been in theory and they still can be of course because by the way he you know he still he still could be elements of the missing the fourth person right the fourth dodgy person he still could be in the long run doing some dodgy things that are, are, are justified because of some moral reason for them do you know what I mean that's that's always the get out isn't it when, when a seemingly good character ends up yeah. being actually deeply flawed and bad it's because there's some reason but what I think Head Jebra has been doing is he's been giving us reasons all the way through why it became clear they had to be accused of being H and in the big showpiece finale then it's all it's literally him exposed and being reduced to this crying figure mm. brilliant performance lovely wonderful performance and that was the point of it rather than actually making us go oh yeah we think he probably he could be H I don't think we're ever I don't think that was ever the issue do you no. know what I mean it was always 
our investment in him, the stakes for him, that was what was being raised. And it did raise it because the whole thing was about him. I, I do feel a little bit like uh, like Hastings doing this for a living could not have done a better job of making himself look guilty. Like he Completely. refused to answer. He was right. disingenuous. You're like, right. dude, you're innocent. Right. Just be honest. But even now, I think like, th- I think the Paul on the laptop thing, he could be lying. He could be. And, you know, the, the, him going to the prison to talk to the, um, the guy, he probably did, you know, reveal yeah, to him. He I, probably I, did reveal that it was yeah, Corbett. So I think I he still that. could have been... Lo- I think there are moments so where he, he was could- concealing something. Yeah, I think yeah, so. Because, I mean, ultimately, he was complicit in yeah, the man's murder. Right. So. Absolutely, yeah. yeah and so that, and, that, and again, that is setting us up. That will be explored, I'm sure, in the next series. And I got the impression with the... La- so let's talk through the clues a little bit. Like, the laptop is one of the first ones. On my impression from that, like, it looked like he was disposing of evidence. The yeah. pornography thing was an interesting line. I got the impression more for that that he was just flogging it at computer exchange like honestly it felt a little bit like he needed but that's because you're obsessed with computer exchange maybe that is exactly why but that felt like he was just flogging his laptop but there is I think I think James is right though in terms of um, as a viewer your your investment when there is when there are th- essentially three coppers you're super invested in and you believe fundamentally are good the pivot of one of those being a wrong and not just like being a bit naughty and you know watching porn on your work laptop <laughs> Top or taking a bit of money, a backhand election, but fundamentally being mm. a bad copper, a bent copper, right? The mm. whole line of duty is all about who yeah. is the bent copper. The fact that that was taken off the table so quickly, definitely, because I think you're right, I don't think we were meant to think at any point it might be him. Mm. And that being shelved so quickly that all of your good coppers are good and any bad copper we find out about is going to be a peripheral player or somebody, we don't even really know that. That definitely kind of lessens the kind of investment. But the laptop, I think you're right, I think the laptop was literally just like I never thought there was anything particularly I don't think he was trying to get rid of his chat which showed he was mm. talking to the OCG on the BCD um, <laughs> and then when he said oh it was a porn thing I totally believed him I was like oh yeah because you're like, alone you're in a hotel you're room in, your wife's left you're in you. a premier yep. in you're like, having a wank but he could just clear so, this history couldn't he but it <laughs> yeah. was so it's like, dude, incognito mode. almost it was like all these kind of reveals which turn out to have pretty pedestrian answers bar the money really right with yeah. like oh yeah I suppose that all kind of makes sense the, the definitely thing I thought was genius because genuinely yeah. when we first see the chatting with the OCG and they spell definitely wrongly I just kind of rolled my eyes thought, oh god attention to detail in this series unbelievable and did then, you of course, really not think I, I was deliberate I, I absolutely thought like I they was wouldn't know how to spell definitely it's a very commonly misspelled no. word and I just thought that it was just poor that's like having a Starbucks cup in the middle of <laughs> yeah. Game of Thrones but it was obviously when you see him that's then so misspell cool. It himself, yeah, oh, it's all intentional. That Jed Mercurio, I should never have doubted you. <laughs> I love that. Uh, the cash for the property, the property scheme seems shifty from the get go. Like, yeah. of course, I mean, admittedly, meant to be. I know, yeah. I know, I know, but it's just a bit like he's anti corruption, he should know better. It's Ted Hastings, but he, uh, yeah, I mean, he, you know, he's 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 clearly flawed. There were lots of moments in that interrogation scene where you think you could just where he's not doing the things that, but actually, going back through the history of Hastings, much as we love him, he again. Again, he's not like a kind of genius. He's no, not like a flawless not. genius yeah. cop, is he? Yeah, and and Corbett's another interesting one. We've kind of mm. touched on Stephen Graham is the standout, I think, yeah. in this in this series. I mean, their guest stars are always amazing, but he was incredible. And I think one of the problems with the finale of this is that there is nothing those final two episodes could do in my mind that would have topped the fourth one yeah. because it was so shocking to see him get because that was an incredibly emotionally traumatic scene even before that happened, like the traffic of those women calling yeah. them livestock that they're being raped in this other room and it's just absolutely horrific and he's like he's had 
enough and you're so with him and you think she is too and then for him to kind of have his throat that switcheroo where he gets his throat slit it's one of the most shocking things I've seen. Yeah, and we still don't fully know the deal with Lisa, right? I, d- I don't think I felt like mm. there'd been certain things left open. Because she's with Who she is, really. Information. Who is she really? Yeah. And mm-hmm. her. I mean, that's. I agree with you. I think that was the episode of the season. Yeah. And kind of, I lost a little bit of my investment when Stephen Graham was killed because he was, to be honest, he, him and his relationship with Steve and that whole dynamic. And you were invested in him and rooting for him, even when he. He was a proper bad and so when he admitted to basically torturing Hastings' wife which basically like kneecapped her and I mean that was horrendous because you, you can believe that you, he's got in with this OCG and he's, he's an ends justify the means kind of thing he's he's slightly corrupt yeah. but then to torture his wife and then I mean that's yeah because even when you realise about his mum and it all yeah. kind of comes out and the history and what he's been driven by and the fact horrendous. that he's been told that Hastings is responsible for her death even when you know all that the thing is even when you we you have him on tape saying oh you know I tortured his missus he's gonna come after me you I still rooted for him like I still when he had his throat slit I was so upset like that I found that whole sequence so shocking and you felt immediate kind of loss and he for me was kind of the heart of this season because you sympathise with him even when you know he kidnapped Steve and like had a fucking gun on him and shot at him and you know killed the bent copper killed the, I mean well that's why with the machine that, gun that's yeah. what I love the moment in, in the finale when Hastings to, says to Bigelow you you know you are responsible for that death that poor guy and there's a, there's a lovely moment where he is you know when the full horror of that and that's why he gives the 50 grand at the end to his, yeah. to his widow I mean all mm-hmm. of that I think was I mean I agree that episode 4 was absolutely was, that moment was the most shocking, brilliant moment. And that's what that's what the Jeb does so brilliantly. But I, for me, I, I thought the I thought the penultimate episode was the weakest one in a way because I had so much to get through. Yeah, yeah, Hastings yeah. had to do so much to <laughs> add up to even more reasons why he could be hate in the finale. But I still found it very very satisfying how they how they dealt with all of the, all of those issues. And we were reminded of his how brilliant he was. And and you're right, his performance sold the idea that he could re- he could reduce himself to doing these terrible mm. terrible things because of how he'd been set up as we found out in the final episode by Bigelow and playing that tape of Bigelow telling him about Hastings I thought was really smart because that was like oh yeah she really really basically set him up to think that Hastings was this fucking evil person responsible for this family tragedy in his family I thought that was all, all worked really well I agree. Like going back to like the genius of Jeb Mercurio, something that kind of stuck in my mind. It's one of the reasons I think I never suspected Hastings is when we interviewed, or when you interviewed Vicky McClure and Martin mm-hmm. Comston, and I was listening to it. Martin, uh, Martin was mentioning that at the end of the previous series, when they shoot Hastings that one dodgy look, yeah, like think, oh, maybe he's a bit shifty. That that was an on the spur of the moment, in scene decision by Mercurio. So can you just do this? Yeah, just right, do this. Yeah. And they were like, oh, okay, why? She said, no, no, just do it. And it's almost like he just had a. He he had a gut feeling like, oh, this could really work. Like, given this look, it sows a seed and then next series we can get really into that. Mm. I think that's incredible. He has a real sort of natural feel for what works yeah. dramatically. That's why I still think that the laptop, I still think the couple of things that are, you know, open to question it, from, from what Hastings has said and his justifications of what he's done, visiting the guy in jail, that whole thing, that whole element of yeah. it, I still think there's room for him to have suspicions about his behaviour in general, that will be that still to be explored. I still think he could be doing stuff that's worse than we think. 
even though he's not he's not I'm not saying he's going to be a mastermind criminal mastermind who's been no. working with an OCG but what I do think is his flaws and his reasons for doing stuff are going to be still an issue in the next series well How- isn't that a big question for the next series which yeah. is so far you know who is H is yeah. Ted Hastings you know think about last season and this season is Ted Hastings Ben right is the are these people we're so invested in Ben that's obviously been kind of the the pulsating question yeah. at the heart yeah. of it and and is the you know we know that there is one more out there and obviously we see mm. him at the end in mm. the passing out parade um, yeah. As the, as the beginning of season five, what do you fill that gap with? That pulsating heart of the show? Are they? Be- is he bent? Is he mm. bent? Is he bent? Mm. What does what does the heart of the show become next season? Is the question. If that's what is that's what's driven us so far. I feel like your underlying thing is you've got you've got. What's his copper in Police Academy? That's an yep. interesting yeah. one. You've got the continued search for the last other bent copper. But more than that, I just think we want wall-to-wall Ted Hastings because Adrian Dunbar is my absolute god. And did you see that the BBC put out that... Um, they put out a mega mix, like a yes. dance mix of yes. Ted Hastings catchphrases. Like, fella, fella, Nick and Bent Coppers. Yeah. It's amazing. Yeah. Well, what do you do when that's been answered? When I think we that's know, a really good even question. Even to your point, right? Yeah. Even if he's got some bit slightly dodgy behaviour, we know he's a good copper. We know he's not bent. Yeah. That's been answered definitively he's not a bent copper he might be doing a little a couple of things on the side that I shouldn't like giving <laughs> yeah. Stephen Graham's widow 50k yeah. um, we know that the three of them are clean so what is what well, is the big question my answer is A I, I still think there are there's enough potential dodginess from Hastings that's still to be an issue so I think he's still going to be an issue and what my my feeling is I mean this is massive speculation I can't imagine that Carmichael Anna Maxwell Martin's character is not going to be a major player because she's so brilliant so I I feel I feel there's an underlying she's going to she still she still wanted to get him remember right at the end and was told no you had that moment when she was told she couldn't she's in glass house because she had the even more of a wrong on her own team so I feel she's going to still be out there to get him and to in her mind he's still dodgy well she's right and she's right what happened to the the money the money not Ben we know that right with the, bear in he's mind, not, like, he probably did tip off the OCG. Yes, he did, thing. but he's not bent, as in he's no. not working as a. No, he's not, no, not bent in that way, but gang. he is complicit in a murder. He yeah. is, but he's not. But he's not part of an OGC, which is the big question. Is always. But his behavior. I think what I'm saying is, I think his behavior is, is still an issue. His general behavior, and he's remember he's on his last warning. Yeah. yeah. Um, so that is still an issue. I think she's going to go for him. So I think I think I feel there's going to be parallel um, narratives of her going for him. I think it's still going to be an issue, and AC12 as a whole. Remember, because if he it could all so I think like saving AC12 as a whole could be an issue because she's going to want to yeah. go for them generally. And remember, she knows all the all the kind of stuff mm. that's gone on in their past, all the times when Arnott slept with you know potential <laughs> suspects and all this stuff. And even Vicky McClure, you know, they've all done stuff that has been borderline. So I think that was still a huge issue. And I feel there will also be a major new protagonist. Yeah, there has know, to be a mystery, who, right? Yeah, there will be a central mystery and more of the uh, I feel you know more of the classic line of duty yeah. style guest star. celebrity. Wrongen. Celebrity wrongen, you know, I don't know, Sean Bean or someone, <laughs> as, as a, some working, brilliant working class iconic actor will be drawn in. Um, uh, maybe it'll be a woman. Who well, knows? I think, um, I think they were laying some groundwork with um, PC Sahata, who was kind of popping up in key scenes, yeah. helped them dig out some really crucial evidence, seemed really wide-eyed and innocent and keen to impress and keen to work her way up. But there was there were a few moments where I kept expecting something to 
drop with her and I felt like they were laying groundwork mm. for a future thing. She seems kind of um, as clean as they come, but isn't that always kind yeah. of the case? Um, but you're right, and I think she does have some little facial expression yes. moments, some little reaction shots that are oh, like she does, she's definitely right. And every single intervention she's made has been key. Yes. Yeah, she's a key figure. So I, and she was kind of, you could kind of forget she was there and then she'd pop mm. up with a really crucial bit of evidence, hand it off and then walk off. Yeah. Um, she has to kind of have a more prominent role you'd expect in the next season. If I was going to say, oh, who would be like the person who you could really build their character out and make a mystery around, she seems kind of key. Yeah. There was also, do you think as well at the end, when there was that scene where... Um, uh, where the guy, the political guy, was made the statement about the inquiry and you know putting it to rest, trying to put it to rest. The two of them together. Do yeah. you think? Oh, you know, there's something. I, there could be something slightly dodgy about him, at least potentially. I felt you know like classic whitewashing. You know, like, yeah, like they were whitewashing this whole investigation, yeah. and I feel that's more. There's more to be explored there. Was that about corruption, or was it just down to like the? depressing cynicism about, you know, the politics of these Oh, things. for sure. But I also think that that opens him up. But when you're more concerned about the politics of the situation, mm. as he is a political figure, um, I still think potentially... You're, I do feel like the p- political corruption could be explored more yeah. as part of the whole overall corruption. I think that could be a, an issue going forward. I've got to use the phrase going forward. I hate myself. <laughs> uh, I think it could be in the next series of this show. I, I feel like he will be around. I feel that whole top layer, do you know what I mean? That the, the Bigelow was part of, if you like, you know, she's constantly advising them, you know, oh, the woman who's been advising them all the way through the best mm. thing to do politically and for, you know, PR reasons yeah. is a massive wronger <laughs> who's done all of this terrible stuff. I feel that must have some kind of impact on those people that she was advising all the way through the series. All right, let's get to some listener questions. At Mike B. Hoy says, how come H is an identity... How come H is an identity that even members of the OCG are using when it was an internal shorthand used by AC12 as Dot snuffed it before he could get past spelling out the first initial? That's a very good point. Because Corbett is aware of it, isn't it? It's Corbett is being a cop... Yeah, but they so don't he, know he's a cop. No, no. But I think he has brought in H being an element into the OCG when he went when he when he went undercover. I think he's the one who spread H. the word of H. You know, as it spread throughout. Where the, did he get that from? Like, how can he? Uh, I've just yeah. heard he's called because H. everyone in the higher echelons of of the of the police knows about H now, don't they? I well, think, would no, I think he that's, still? I think he would. I think he would. I think that must be where it comes from because yeah, it can't come from anywhere else. Um, we had a few. We had a few people ask this question. I think the H thing. People are like, hang on a minute. <laughs> um, uh, another one here. How does the theme of this year's line of duty compare and contrast with Bodyguard? Uh, also, is Jed Mercurio a genius? Definitely a yes to the second yes, part of that. Yes, he is a genius. Um, do we think you mean the theme music or the? Do you think it mean the theme music? Could no. it mean the narrative? By the way, the music the is music? absolutely brilliant. By the, the best way. part I, of that music is the bing, yeah, bing, the bing, build up, yeah. ding, <laughs> dong. Oh, it's so good. I would, I would put that at the end of this podcast, but I can't oh, for PRS no, reasons. Okay. But I Damn. would love to. Damn. But presumably, it means the theme, the overall arching theme I of mean, one can assume. Yeah, I think bringing in, I think bringing in the organised crime element was 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 a Masterstroke because it did, you know, people missed. I think I, I know people have missed that it's, it's not a new, the usual kind of exploration and investigation of a bent cop. Yeah. But I do think it broadened it out and made it more. And I think the actual depiction of the organised crime was really interesting all the way through, particularly with the young and the young guy from series one. So it worked for me. Yeah. yeah I, 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 I like that. Uh, the OCG took over from what was always called just Balaclava Man because yeah. we had this just yeah. nondescript Balaclava Man who turned up at given points and. 
And it's interesting, isn't it? That by the way, the ending of the last series was oh, there's more. There's not just one balaclava man. There's loads of balaclava men. The end of this series, there's not just one H. There's loads of H's. There's four <laughs> H's. And there's one missing one still. Classic ex- escalation. Yeah. Oh, all right. Another one. This is from Kerry. Uh, did it also take you guys an embarrassingly long time to twig that OCG member Ryan was the little kid from season one? I didn't know until Boyd told me. I've got to be honest with you. And to be honest, the, uh, the launch of the um, series at. Um, in London, Jed McHugh actually asked the audience if they recognised him. He himself was really interested as to whether people would remember, and people did. did I didn't at all. I, have, no, I mean, I have a I terrible didn't. memory anyway. I can <laughs> barely remember anyone's name or what they look like or anything. But but one or two people in the audience did remember that that character, this little boy, is now this man, and they did absolutely remember him. But it's interesting how the the, the how. undercover crime groups how they recruit from and it is all about capturing boys and girls at a really distinct age and then bringing them up and breeding them within I did see did you see the um, police recruitment people were tweeting saying they tweeted that bit and said we have much more robust methods for recruiting find out more here and the Metropolitan Police also also tweeted about how the different elements of it and uh, kind of reminding you what the different um, buzzwords mean and the jargon that was incredible they're incredibly invested in the show yeah (laughs) Um, Steve Dare says I'd like to know where that poor lad in the flat has been storing his frozen goods as he's had Jackie Lafferty in his freezer for years he's probably never had salted caramel hagen and that's just not an existence that's a good point the poor lad in the flat was such a great scene the poor lad in the flat was so good again you know the casting that was such a great scene because you were oh no don't do anything to the poor lad in the flat and and yeah he kind of pulled it pulled through didn't he yeah uh, Skent Taylor says, "Could the new clue from Dot's Last Breath video have been any more ridiculous?" <laughs> Not only I feel like we've covered that. What's his priority in his final moments com- to communicate via fucking Morse code? But he figured, apparently, that the letter H would be interpreted as meaning there are four dodgy cops. I mean, really, really? Again, let me remind you: we only have this is only R Not's theory. We only, you know, but, why is would, it, but it is a good point that they accepted that way. Oh, it didn't. Yeah. Yeah. Four, and yeah. I'm like, does it? Yeah. Like, like, can but, we just sign on to the fact that Steve is a terrible police officer? Yeah. He is a terrible and these are the worst theories the, in the world. I, I hope the first the first scene of the next series is Kay Fleming, Vicky <laughs> McClure saying to saying to Arna, what the fuck are you talking about? <laughs> are you sure? Are you absolutely sure? Well, that's why I'm suspecting the younger police officer, because I'm yeah. like, she's the only one doing any detective <laughs> yeah, work. Absolutely. She keeps ambling up going, just crack the case. Yeah. I'm off now. See you later. I'm like, <laughs> she seems to be the only one doing doing any actual a, police work, which line. she seems to have found on Google. Mate, mate, <laughs> oh, mate. Fella. Um, James Not Benmore fault, says, was Hastings genuinely watching porn? Also, mm. why was Jill helping him during his interrogation and why was she even in the room? Uh, well, she was helping him, I think, because I think she was trying to funnel it down a very yeah. specific yes. line of question. She needs to control yeah, it. She yeah, needs to control it. Yeah, because her plan was help him with that brilliant um, technical problem that the, they fucked up yeah, with that's right. in, the, in the investigation and use that for, to then him to go, I resign, yeah. Yeah, but, you yeah, know, yeah, blah, yeah. blah, blah, on this minor issue. Yeah, she had obviously a, that's what she suggested to him, right? Was yeah. like the only way out of this yeah. is to resign it'll all go away we'll manage it yeah. and then she thought that whole thing would be then put to bed right. and thank god Arnold Fleming arrived in time after blue lighting it <laughs> yeah, yeah. <laughs> I, also why was she in the room I think she can go where she wants she's sufficiently yeah. influential oh that, that moment she can... where she walked in with oh, her with, right. the, with the armed cop and told yeah. Bigel- and told um, what's her name Dagan no. Maxwell Martin why was I informed that was, you just happened again absolutely fantastic <laughs> moment yeah their dynamic yeah, was don't know. absolutely That's, incredible it's got to carry on they've got to have those two Polly Walker and Anna Maxwell Martin back mm. follow up question here what was Tina's post-murder 
murder plan. Was she trying to make, make it look like Jill had slashed her own wrists? <laughs> Made it make it look like she killed herself by stabbing herself repeatedly in the sternum. That's a good question. <laughs> I think it just didn't matter. She just had to kill her. I think I, yeah. the OCG yeah. wanted her They dead. have something on her and they're like, yeah. make her yeah. dead, make her dead. Now, yeah. maybe she was going to kill her and then make a run for it. Yeah. I mean, who yeah, knows? Yeah, because when she said, you know, she sent out that text thinking she was, I was also like, what did she expect was going to happen? Like an armed gang were going to come in and, and parachute her out at that moment. Obviously not knowing that the representative of the crime gang was in the room. Um, yes. But yeah, well, what was she going to do? She'd have had to like it because yeah. she'd have been exposed. Well, they were all drinking they had tea. Stood so down and they, yeah, they were going to have a cup and they yeah. had stood down the armed force so she yeah. could have made it. Yeah. Yeah. Oh, it takes they, a while to drink a good cup of tea so <laughs> she, had, she had time. I think she had time. Uh, Jez Garrett said, Tickerum looked guilty as fuck at the end. Yes. Is he hashtag number four? I agree. I think that was deliberate that he looked guilty as far. I, I thought that as well. I and mean, he could be he could be a candidate, couldn't he? Could, uh, could be. Could be. Uh, I just would also like to point out that he called it as Jill after episode two. Yeah, all right, smart ass. <laughs> um, a lot of people did, to be fair. Yeah. And yeah, that still made it, it still didn't detract from the enjoyment of it, I would say. Daryl Flew says, who do you think the final caddy will turn out to be? It would need to be someone who has been in some, if not all of the series so far. Also... What do you think Ryan will have to play in future series? I think Ryan will definitely be turning up in future oh, series. Yeah. Uh, he seems to be integral. As to who the final person will be, I mean, at this point, I would be astonished if Jed even has the first idea. <laughs> yeah, I agree. Yeah, there are, there are people. You know, there are people who are still alive from previous series yeah. who are in prison. I would say, you know, the people whose deaths maybe we didn't see. You know, which is key. Remember, <gasps> maybe um, it's Tandy Newton. It could be Tandy Newton. Yeah, she's still around. She's still alive, isn't she? Yeah, I yeah. mean, potentially. Could be Kate Fleming, I and mean, people get people right. Obviously, a lot of yeah. people are speculating that Fleming is still because she's been, you know, she's the only one who's, who's yet to be really accused of being bad. That's true. Arnold's been They've all been it. arrested They've all been at one point. It. Yeah, but yeah. she hasn't really. Yeah. I mean, I, again, I find that ridiculous because she seems beyond reproach. Uh, but you also know, never know when you're going to be recruited. So the way right. they left it with Hastings at the end, right? He's on his final warning. Yeah. He's pretty much rinsed every bit of goodwill and kind of, you sense he's clinging on by his fingertips and you don't know mm. where that could lead him, even though he's now been proven not to be bent. That doesn't Completely. mean he'll stay not bent, right? Absolutely, yeah. And as you say, if he did essentially give that information to the undercover gang, because what else was he doing visiting that prisoner once you've crossed that line? He definitely was, yeah. yeah. Oh, yeah. Definitely was. yeah. I think he was hoping, by the way, that, you know, that didn't mean that he would necessarily be good. I think that he could get out. You know, he, I think he thought that, um, that Stephen Graham could get out, you know. Oh, as a warning. Yeah. So, yeah, I think he absolutely 100% did reveal that information, mm. um, but that he didn't necessarily think he was going to be killed two minutes later in that horrendous scene. Probably got time for one more question. This is from Kevin Price, and he says, who puts the Norn Island saying into the script, the writers or Adrian Dunbar? Well, having listened to many, many Adrian Dunbar interviews in recent days, I, I can say that it's 50-50. He says it's 50-50 now. So I think all the way through, if you go back to those seasons, there was definitely like moments of it, like fellas and... Um, uh, uh, stuff like that, but they and I think what Jeremy Curious says he does with all of the lead actors, particularly, is he as he gets to know them more and their strengths come out. He writes for those characters, and particularly, I think, with him, with Hastings, he's brilliantly made his sayings more and more of a thing. I think together, that I think the floating up the lagoon in a bubble came again from a Q and A. Yes, in they did in Ireland, where um, they like Jed wanted phrases, more phrases, and he was like asking, "Give me more phrases that he can say," which is brilliant. Jeremy Curious is totally transparent. I, I think about his process. I love that that he 
absolutely gives credit to the actors and people just giving him ideas. I think I love that. You know, he's not precious about it at all. And so that is definitely a collaboration now, I think. Yeah. I, could I just say also for me, Kira, I, I love I love him on Twitter. Was it was it the other week he called out a reporter from The Sun? Oh, yeah. Gordon McCunn. Yeah. 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 Gordon yeah. McCunn on absolutely. Twitter for misreporting uh, contract negotiations for the next Terrifying, uh, but series. brilliant. Yeah. Brilliant. brilliant. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, you do not want to get on the wrong you side. You don't want to be in an interrogation room with Jeff I Curio. love that. He doesn't give a flying shit. Fair <laughs> enough as well. By the way, his South Bank show. Did you see the South Bank show? Yeah. It's really yeah. good. It's really great. You see, you see that he's he's a really funny guy. And, and it reminded me that he wrote The Grimlies, the, um, the uh, ITV yes! sitcom. And that's all in there. Oh and it, it's a really good show. Honestly, it's great. Excellent. So watch that if you want more Mercurio insights. Uh, before we go, final question. When do we think the series will return? 2021, I would suggest. Oh my it takes them about two years normally. Well, also, you have to bear in mind that they haven't, still haven't confirmed a second series of the most successful yeah, drama series Bodyguard. in history, Bodyguard. Mm. So the, there are lots of questions here. Does he, for me, BBC is going to be like, fuck's sake, we need another Bodyguard. Yeah. So he's got to write that. I feel he's going to write Bodyguard Series 2 first yeah, when they sort that out. And when they manage to get the character, the, 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 the cast for that together, you know, Mad Richard Mann is now like the most Indian man actor in the world, practically. So when they get a window for Richard Madden to actually shoot that series two, there's got to be a series two. I feel like Lionel is going to be after that, as it kind of was this time. Yeah, there was quite a long break between these series because was. there was a little match of bodyguard in the middle. I think there will be again. So it could be. I think it's at least two years away. Oh, Devastating. Wow. What are we going to do without Ted for two years? Exactly. Oh. Well, that is it for our Line of Duty spoiler special. Join us on Monday for the regular pilot podcast where, as well as bringing you all the latest news and reviews, we'll be continuing our weekly spoiler breakdowns of the latest season of Game of Thrones. All spoilers clearly signposted. Until then, we will continue our mission to root out bent coppers and be advised that your Reg 15 notice is in the mail. Pilot out, fellas. You are going down for a long time, fella. You are going down for a long, long time. You are going down for a long time, fella. You are going down for a long, long time, fella. 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 No, we're sucking deep. Go on. Fella. 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 My officers conduct themselves to the letter of the law, sir. The letter. We are only interested in one thing and one thing only. The cruise. One thing only. Sucking deep. It's one thing only. Nick and Ben Coppers. Listen, Coppers. Coppers. Huge. Ben Coppers. Coppers. Listen, Coppers. Coppers. Huge. Break 15. Coppers. Listen, Coppers. Coppers. Huge. Ben Coppers. Coppers. Listen, Coppers. Coppers. Huge. Break 15.